There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and it is uh, a throwback to when we first started podcasting, because the only person here with me (laughs) is Peaches. (laughs) And maybe Megan the Stallion. Uh, She could or could not be here. Body yaddy 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 yaddy. I'm just going to sing that like Megan, is that you? (laughs) It's me, <laughs> it's me, the Stallion, comma Megan, <laughs> and uh, my Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> Did you have that when it came out? Popeye's. I thought you said Papa. Oh, I heard my, my Papa's, Papa, my Papa's chicken sandwich. <laughs> you were like Papa. <laughs> Papa, 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 Papa. <laughs> No, did you have that chicken sandwich though at Popeyes with the yum? I think it was called like yum yum sauce or something. No, it wasn't. I did not. It wasn't called yum. Ryan in the Discord said what it was called, and I don't remember at this point. But it was really good. It was like a sweet chili sauce that they put on the you know Popeyes chicken sandwich. She's my favorite um, celebrity food promotion at this point in time. That's been like over the last like few years or so. Everyone's like, try the Shia LaBeouf uh, fish fillet meal from McDonald's. All the McDonald's ones are always stupid. They're like, try this person's (laughs) thing. And it's like, they put French fries on their burger. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, but the the, like Megan the Stallion Popeyes one was like, we actually put uh, an ingredient that we don't put on anything else on this sandwich. Do you like it? Yes, I do. I don't remember. What, I'm going to find the sauce name. Well, you find the sauce. I'll let everybody know that today we are talking all about She-Hulk Episode 3, The People versus Emil Blonsky. Uh, it's directed by Kat Coiro once again and written by Jessica Gao once again. Our synopsis is going to come to us from the lovely, as always, Rachel Page over at Marvel.com. Rachel! The G. The OG. The young G. <laughs> With the young G. It was called hottie sauce, which makes a lot more sense than, I don't know why how I got to yum. Hottie sauce. Yeah, hottie sauce. All right, I need to get me some. Hottie, 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 (laughs) hottie. Jennifer Walters storms into Emil Blonsky's holding cell. She is mad. Footage of him not in prison and as abomination is circulating all over the news, and it is for sure going to ruin whatever case Jen has been building for him. This is another crime and absolutely destroys whatever chance he had at getting parole. But wait, Emil explains that he was forced to leave his cell. This wasn't his choice. And who could do such a thing? Wong. Just just Wong. <laughs> Nikki tells Jen uh, because she is on the case trying to cyberstalk him, his internet presence is a little chaotic. He's either a sorcerer who lives in New York or a librarian who lives in Nepal. But don't worry, she sent him a thirst trap. Or an associate from Target. Also from Nepal. Also from Nepal. (laughs) It was her holding a bunch of books, so he's probably going to get in touch soon. (laughs) Another cameo? Yeah, Jen knows it's happening. I know you can't wait to see Wong. I get it. She tells us, taking her hands fully off the steering wheel, which is very unsafe, and you should not... What? (laughs) Jesus, Teddy. Oh, no, Teddy. 
good. God. He said, "You wanted me on the podcast. Here you go. Oh, we got some smell a vision for you. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I'm covering up my nose because I don't wow. want this to breach the nostrils. That is while you're dying from mustard gas fumes. Yeah, um, I continue to really like how they break the the fourth wall. Yeah. with She Hulk. I think she does a great job of it. Every single instance of it in this episode, like not only did it feel like there was more of it, I didn't." count the number of times it happened but i assume it happened more because i think it only happened actually once in each of the other episodes so yeah definitely the most and all of them were like fun and like tasteful is not the right word but like none of them felt awkward it didn't is feel what like I'm egregious going for. it didn't feel yeah yeah no, it, it wasn't was corny right yeah for sure um and I, I just really like how they're doing that. So Yeah, I feel like, and I apologize if this is, ends up being one of our shortest episodes, and I say that now, and we're going to have five, an hour and a half to talk about <laughs> something stupid. Uh, but I feel like, especially for this episode, I don't have a lot of notes. It's a lot of, yeah, I like this episode. Yeah. I think so far, <clears throat> like, this one was the most fun in a lot of ways, and it feels like it's a, it's ramping up in all of the best ways possible. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that I'm like, I have to get on a soapbox about this. Right. I, we might be wrong. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> the plot might trigger something in me. Uh, she tells us taking her hands fully off the steering wheel, which is just unsafe and you should not try that at home. I just want to make sure you know that this is one of the, this is not one of those cameo every week shows, except for Bruce and Blonsky and Wong. Just remember whose show this actually is. And then we know we're going to get Daredevil. So I wonder if there are going to be any more fun cameos. Um, I hope so. I mean, because she's breaking the fourth wall so often, it stands to reason that she might be telling the truth. Yeah. Right? Because she has like that outer perspective. Um, but she also immediately like was like, well, except for all of these that already happened. Right. So, you know, maybe she's just teasing but maybe that maybe that's in there for that reason because every other fourth wall break has almost been like a direct you know the very first one like hey i know you're not going to be able to focus <laughs> until we tell you how i got my powers so here we go like <laughs> it is. everything else has been a very like all right audience calm down you know so maybe she's telling the truth i don't know but we'll find out at the GLNH, GLKNH office, Nikki flips through news focus reports not focused on Abomination, but on Jen. Let's just say the media is not being nice to her, even though her phone line is being flooded with interview requests. Okay, I, maybe we will get on a soapbox here, because I actually really liked this part in a strange way. Like, obviously the headlines, if you if you read them, uh, and like listen to some of those like uh, interviews from people in this little clip montage. Like there's a lot of disgusting stuff happening in there. So I'm not saying I like it because I want people to be like misogynistic to Jen Walters. But it's very interesting that Marvel seems to have like called their shot as far as like before She-Hulk came out. I don't know that there was a lot of uh, you know the people that are really upset that a uh, animated Marvel character is twerking in the post-credit scene of of a Marvel show. You know those kind of people, like yeah. like the asshole 
those people. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the best way to not be. Well, mean, like but there's also be mean. there is this, and we can talk about this because I think this is really interesting. Um, there are people online that are talking about She-Hulk, supposedly in their words, trying to combat misogyny. And then that has her, uh, and not be objectified, and then it has her twerking at the end of the episode. <laughs> and I think they completely miss the fucking point. Yes. They just have no idea. How are you supposed to combat misogyny when you're being an object? She's not, her she, dancing doesn't make her an object. Correct. You have made her an object. Right. If twerking you, has been around since like 2013, my guy. Well, unlike dancing has been around, like it is. It and is dancing, yeah. It is a dance. A woman doing an action does not make her an object. And if you, and like if you look at history, the history of dance, I don't have like a huge background in dance, <laughs> but if you look at the history of it, like. Every era has some form of dance that was considered like, oh, that's a little bit on the on the sexier side. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if you're in the Victorian age or you're in the future. Like, some dance is like, ooh, that's a little, that's a little risque. But at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter no. if it's a sexy dance or if it's not a sexy dance because she's a human and if she wants to dance, she's going to fucking dance. She can dance if she wants that to. Does, yeah, that doesn't take away her... Uh, uh, like <laughs> the message that she's sending or uh, any of those types of things. But I like that this episode kind of calls that where before this show came out, there wasn't a lot of it. As the show has gone on, people have become like that more and more as each episode comes out. And in this episode, they're like, they continue to call people out for like being fucking misogynistic assholes. Okay. Maybe I might get on a soapbox. I don't know. <laughs> And I just think that that's like, I wish it wasn't necessary, but good on them. Yeah, I'm with you. I think people have been really stupid about this whole thing. And I think the part that I really dislike now, and it's a thing that's happening a lot, is the internet is getting really quick about judging something before it comes out. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, She-Hulk, it's happening to... It happened to... Uh, I watched the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and there are a lot of people that are really upset about that for a multitude of reasons. A big reason is because there are, get this, black people in the show. And <laughs> Tolkien didn't write black people. They're, they are they are just putting them in there for wokeness. Does Tol- Now, I know that Tolkien does do a lot of descriptive work in mm. his writing, but did he ever, like very detailed describe the color of every character's skin any character he described was white okay but also who cares right it doesn't really matter oh no there are black dwarves and black uh elves what's next black people like what do you mean like their people exist that's so stupid. It's so dumb. Well, and like, so I watched The Rings of Power. on The day it came out at nine, I watched it right then and there. I finished it, and I looked up, and it had a one star on Amazon Prime because people had already begun review bombing. They hate bombed it on day one? Day one, the second it came out. Because there were some black characters. Well, they, they're like, it's not... It's not, uh, I'm going my glasses here. It's not uh, lining up with Tolkien's work and blah, 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 blah. Shut the fuck up, dude. Did, uh, is Rings of Power very strictly based on material already written? So it is, 
it covers so there's a book called the Cimmerillion. Yeah. And it is very similar to Dance of Dragons in that the Cimmerillion is like an account of the histories of Middle Earth. It's like a um it's like an Encyclopedia Britannica. Sort of, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it like uh, it, it has it chronicles like a lot of like how things got there. The problem with the Cimmerillion, one, it's an awful read. I sorry, Tolkien fans, that get really mad at me. I am a really big Lord of the Rings <laughs> fan. I'm a big fan of Tolkien. The Cimmerillion is a, is a tough read. Uh, and two, the way the Cimmerillion is written, it's not a lot of weird shit happens in the Cimmerillion. Like you know, they kind of really go into like who Gandalf is and who all of the wizards are and they're basically angels and how the Balrog is like a fallen angel and they go into all these different things and like uh, uh, more interesting. And we're not mad that Gandalf is portrayed as a human and not a biblically accurate angel? Well, and it just <laughs> is, it's, I mean, he's directed, he's, he is how he looks, how he's described to look in the books, but okay. it doesn't matter. The point is, People have gotten into this habit of being like, mm, I saw one thing I didn't like. This must be awful. And I, nothing will distract from the opinion. And it like leads the narrative for that thing. You can't go in there, you know, like um, another good example, Last of Us Part 2. Mm-hmm. There are people who really hated The Last of Us Part 2. Oh, man. And I, We're gonna get I, triggered again, again. I can't get behind those people. I loved the game. But if you talk to anyone that hasn't played that game now, their first instinct is to be like, well, I heard the game was awful. Right. Because a very loud group of incels on the internet was like, I don't want to fuck one of the main characters, so this game sucks. <laughs> That's not a, that's not wrong. Yeah. That's basically what it boils down to. They're like, "Ooh, Abby's not hot enough for me. Uh, she's got some muscles, you know. She's a little bit too defined. So, ooh, bad game. Yeah, bad I th- game. I think it is fucking idiots. Uh, I think people are. There's a lot of swearing in this episode. Uh, already. <laughs> that was gonna happen with it. Was just you and me. We yeah. were just gonna kind of go crazy. <laughs> um. Oh, excuse me. I don't know. I think people just need to calm down. Like, just watch it, and if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. And then, you know, you don't have to have a podcast about it. That's what we're here for. (laughs) I guess I just don't... I don't get it. You know what's strange is that... And I I don't... Yeah, one doctor. Um, I don't know if these groups of people are the same or how much of them overlap or whatever, but like, um, I grew up playing World of Warcraft Mm -hmm. and like, I've always built a character for myself. Like, I always chose a male character and I would, the race of the character to me, I tried to theme it the best I could with the class. Mm. Maybe that's weird, but like, no, I'm going to play weird. a warrior. So what are my options for warrior? Well, every class can play a warrior or every race can play a warrior, but which one the, in my brain made the most sense? And to me, it was always a dwarf because like a dwarf warrior just in my head, like I think of like Gimli speaking of, sure. of Tolkien. And so, okay, I would always, if I was playing Alliance, it'd be a dwarf warrior. And if I was playing Horde, I don't remember. I think Torin because I don't know, because they're big bulky cows and they just look like they'd protect people. But I had some friends who... Uh, are very good humans. This is not me talking shit about them. But at the time, you know, they would like, they would pick female characters as their avatar in World of Warcraft and it didn't bother them. And they'd run around and some of them would like role play as that 
as that person. That's cool. And it's just weird to me that like there's because this is a one nerdy section of the internet, right? Like I'm sure some of these people overlap with comic fans and Tolkien fans and whatever. It's like weird to me that these things can overlap. Like what? What is wrong? What is wrong with diversity in your <laughs> yeah, like, in your fiction in your anything? Yeah. It doesn't hurt you. It it enhances the project. Like I just the the hate that comes from I I can't even adequately describe it because I can't wrap my head around it enough. Yeah, like I find that I can for the most part uh, be objective about like most arguments. You know, I find that I can at least usually see both sides of an argument, even if I very adamantly don't agree with one of them. But I just don't understand what the point is of the hate towards these types of things. I have no idea. And I can't. So it's hard for me to even talk about it like this because I can't even, you know, in English classes, we were taught like, okay, when you're when you're writing a persuasive essay, you're going to have to consider what the other side of the argument is so that maybe you can write something. Yeah, you might say that blah, blah, blah does this thing, but in contrast, X, Y, Z. I don't even know how to do that with this because I can't even make sense of the uh, opposing argument. Yeah, it just isn't rational to me. Like, it doesn't... Right. Like, like, my brain just doesn't work that way. And I saw someone... uh, I saw some tweet or something from the internet where someone said if the end credit scene were Deadpool twerking with Megan the Stallion everybody would lose their fucking mind in a that was so fun way but because it's She-Hulk right because it's a woman and there's those people that are like meh you want me to not objectify you then don't dance with your butt then yeah no yeah it now was, it's, it's a problem it's the woman's fault right she needs to make herself less objectifiable right uh, where <laughs> I, I don't know. I yeah. don't even know. She's like already in like a pantsuit. What more do you want her to do? Like, <laughs> right. come on, man. Right. Like, so I, it's it's hard to talk about because I don't even. My brain just breaks yeah. thinking about the hate. So, you know, people could. I've made a lot of like. This is a silly voice talking about someone saying really stupid thing today, but someone could like clip that and make me sound really bad. <laughs> I know. I mean, earlier I I said the uh, you know I wouldn't uh, fuck the main character of Last of Us Two as sarcasm, and you could take that out of context too. Please, nobody take these things please, out of context. Please do not. Uh... <laughs> Walking into Halloway's office, Jen is greeted by none other than her former colleague, Dennis. Jen immediately protests working with him since the two have too much shared work history. Another prosecutor, Mallory Book, who is also dismissed uh, because Dennis doesn't want to tell her his problems to attend. To tell his problems to attend. Uh, Mallory Brook is played by... Let me get her name. And hold on. This is important. Mallory Brook is played by Renee Elise Goldsberry. You might think to yourself, who is that? 
I was going to say that out loud. She is <laughs> Angelica Schuyler. Uh, if you have seen the original cast of Hamilton, if you've seen it on uh, on TV or if you've listened to the soundtrack, she is the voice that she plays, not the voice, yeah. but she plays Angelica Schuyler. Okay, okay. For a second, I was like, even you saying that second name didn't help no, me. No, no, and it, okay. she's, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is her first like big like on-screen role. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if um, if her character is in the comics or not. I'm not sure if she's she is completely I, original. As I was looking up the name of the actor, uh, other things came up about her Uh-oh. in the comics. I don't know. She is in the comics. Okay. I don't know what her role is, but she, I, I know she is from the comics. Gotcha. Okay. And I think I asked last week, and I don't remember if anyone confirmed, but Pug is all is from the comics he too. Is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is extra confirmed. So, by process of elimination, Pug, who you just mentioned, is put on his case. But what is this case anyway? Well, as Dennis explains, he's been defrauded. But why is it that the super? uh, But why is it in the superhuman law division? Turns out, the woman he's dating, Runa, is a shape-shifting light elf from New Asgard. To be fair, he thought he was dating Megan (laughs) the Stallion. (laughs) Megan the Stallion. (laughs) What an idiot! Jen can barely contain her laughter when who should appear through a portal? Wong. (laughs) Sorry, it's still funny. (laughs) Taking this cue to leave, Jen and Wong head back to her office where he confesses that, yes, he broke a meal out of prison. It was all part of his training to assume the position of Sorcerer Supreme, and he needed a worthy opponent. Now that Wong's cleared the air, well, he's good to go home. Well, no, Jen explains to him that as soon as the parole board sees the video of Emil fighting his abomination... They're not going to let him go. What to do? Well, Wong doesn't really want to erase everyone's memory because that got messy last time. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I liked that call out too where Same. Jen was like, it's also highly unethical. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> what about if Wong just shows up to the hearing and explains what he did? Sounds good to him. And he agrees to have to save sorcery as a backup plan B. Meanwhile, Pug has now been tasked with uh, trying to work on Dennis's case. Turns out Dennis spent a lot of money on his light elf imposter, and Pug knows this isn't going to be an easy case. After first leaving the office, Dennis then has a change of heart and suggests that the whole case be dropped. Thankfully, Pug sees through this description and soon, uh, deception, and soon the light elf Runa reveals herself before rushing out of the office. That was really funny. She's funny in this. Yeah, that that actress is really, like really playing that part. Yeah, really well. Uh, I don't know if we'll end up seeing her again, but she, like every time she did something, it was funny. Um, also, I had to ask you this, and I feel like you should say this again, even though you you said it earlier, um, not recording, because I didn't know what a cyber truck was. <laughs> a cyber truck. Yeah. So a cyber truck is the truck that is sold by Tesla. Uh, it looks really fucking weird. It's like, uh, but there there was this like presentation when they first revealed the Cybertruck, and they were talking about how like shatterproof the windows are, and uh, somebody was like, throw something at the window to like prove it, and Elon Musk was like, yeah, go ahead, throw a rock at it, and someone threw a rock at the window, and the window broke, and it was just <laughs> so funny. I'm look. I just looked up the Cybertruck too, and it's not even really a truck, is it? 
I like it's wh- like just a really really big car. I don't uh, yeah, know. I don't understand. Like, if this is a truck, I don't know what makes a truck a truck anymore. No, I have no idea because this looks like a house that has some wheels on it, but yeah. it also doesn't look that big. I have no idea. I don't know how big it is, but it is ugly. It is very ugly. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't even know how to accurately describe how ugly this thing is. <laughs> uh. Y'all look it up. It looks like somehow it's futuristic and from the 80s. Like a DeLorean. Yeah, but like somebody took a design of a DeLorean and then made it stupid. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not dissing on a DeLorean. No, DeLoreans are sweet. Yeah, DeLoreans are cool. This is like, you know what this is? This is like if we tried to render a DeLorean in Final Fantasy VII <laughs> graphics and it had like the big chunky hands that the characters we, have. Uh, we put it in that one algorithm <laughs> and we wrote Elon Musk makes a DeLorean. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what pops uh, up. What is the name of that thing? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. I did that. Did I tell you this? I put the... Oh, somebody, somebody out there knows. It'll be Chris. Chris will end up knowing and he'll tell us. Uh, whatever the name of this, this th- it's like the smart AI where you just type a bunch of nonsense and it comes up with nine images of whatever yeah. you put in. I put surveillance stork in there and what it came up with was nine pictures of like the top of buildings where there are security cameras and instead of the security camera, it was just a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. It's like a like a watchbird. <laughs> Back at the prison, Jen gets ready to make her case in front of the parole board. Emil and also Emil's seven soulmates have who have also shown up. Oh, uh, rip to the first <laughs> uh, surveillance stork of the of the the show. They could all be uh, shape shifting light elves. Yeah. What if there's an eighth soulmate? Oh. Never know. She explains to them that she's got a witness who can speak at all of Emil's wrongdoings, except that Wong is late. Stalling for time, Jen suggests that Emil give his own statements before the parole board. Speaking from the heart, he feels like he has been rehabilitated and has changed emotionally, physically, metaphysically, spiritually, cosmically, interdimensionally, (laughs) etc. Getting back on track, Emil has a place to live if he's released and plans to open a meditation facility. As for funding, he's relying on his seven soulmates for that. And just in the nick of time, Wong shows up. Sorry, he lost track of time. As Wong explains, it wasn't Emil's choice to leave, but it was his choice to return to prison. Wong actually offered him sanctuary at Carmitage, but he declined, insisting on returning to prison or repaying his debt to society. While Emil's case might be going well, what about the one against Abomination? Doesn't he turn into a bloodthirsty monster when he transforms? You know... Emil ends up getting out, and I understand the defense that they took, but I wish they would have talked more about how it was literally the fucking government that pumped him full of the yeah. stuff in the first place and did this to him. I agree. Like, we touched on that in our last episode, and it's weird that they didn't use that as a defense. I agree. Like, you guys are the ones that did this to me. You guys are the ones that told me to go after the Hulk. Right. And he hasn't done anything since then except for this prison breakout. So it is weird that it didn't get brought up. Uh, maybe it's just we don't have our you know our law expert here to tell us maybe why it wasn't. Maybe it's one of those things where the angle they were going for was that he has changed, and maybe that would have somehow dampened the point of you know I've changed for the better. 
Maybe like maybe it wouldn't have hurt, but it wouldn't have helped either. Sure. I don't know. What weirds me out, and this is like maybe my only nitpick about this episode in particular, is that um, these people who are obviously like these these people that are judging the case, uh, who are very uh, obviously aware of superhuman people, um, who are listening to the lawyer who could turn into a Hulk at any point calmly, and they know that. Emil turns into Abomination. He, like, calmly tells them he's going to do it. He turns into it, and then he turns right back. I don't know what they would have done instead, but it was weird to me how much everybody was freaking out. I agree. Uh, like, it, like thinking he was going to bust out of the, the prison or whatever. Like, he's in there. And he st- and he did it like after announcing he was gonna do it, and then he went right back, and they're all panicking and like, what world do you guys live in? Like, there have been superhuman people that you've probably seen and interacted with in some way, if not right now, at some point in the last thirteen plus right. blip years. Like, <laughs> it just seemed kind of over exaggerated to me. I agree. I thought it was a little silly, but I mean, it's, the show's a little silly. So. Yeah, yeah. Hoping to put the parole board's mind at ease, Emil transformed into Abomination, and everyone absolutely freaks out except for his seven soulmates. Q, Scrime, <laughs> Cree, crying, hiding, the full works. Jen begins yelling at him to turn back, but Emil doesn't see what the problem is. He's in full control. Realizing she's going to have to scramble, Jen uses this to her advantage, turning to the parole board to explain that clearly he, w- he could have escaped any time he wanted to, but chose not to. Instead, he stayed behind bars, learned his lesson so he could rejoin society again in the future. This is enough for the parole board to adjourn for the day, and they'll figure out their ruling soon. However, as for Wong, it's noted that he facilitated a prison escape, which is technically a crime. He takes that as his cue to leave. I wonder if that is the end of the amount of Wong we'll see. I think it is. I think it probably is too, but I I wonder if we'll ever address that ever again, where he's just like, oh, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Is he just going to be like a wanted criminal? Like, are they going to put a... Are they going to put like a... Keep an eye, like a a bolo? (laughs) A bolo for Wong? (laughs) Bolo's out for Wong. Yeah. (laughs) Let's check in on Pug for a second because he's also scrambling for help. Turns out the light elf is the daughter of a diplomat in New Asgard, so she should have diplomatic immunity. The judge points out that they're not in New Asgard. And Runa is quick to point out that New Asgard is not a place, it's a people. Unfortunately, though... Hulk's or Thor's speeches are not admissible in court. <laughs> As for Pug's case, he's going to have to prove that Dennis could, in fact, have been duped by Runa for the court to side with him. Also, funny to me that Thor's new Asgard speech somehow got out to the whole world for them to all know. Like the judge knew that that was his like speech, right? <laughs> so <laughs> get out there. I'm saying. Very meta. Later that night at Legalese, Jen fills Nikki in on everything that happened and prays for the day this trial is over so she can go back to being a normal, anonymous lawyer who also happens to be a Hulk. Nikki reminds her that the genie is out of the bottle and there's no trying to fight it. You Pug- gotta run me away. Yeah, and Pug slides into the bar with them. <laughs> Connecting the <laughs> A and B story. Nice, Jen tells us. Complaining about Dennis as Jen and Nikki chime in that he is terminally deluded and gross. Wait a second. What if she said that under oath to help Pug win his case? 
Whoa. I know. Now in court on the witness stand, Jen says a laundry list of not nice things about Dennis. <laughs> He's self-absorbed, chauvinistic, conceited. She can go on. But the point is that Pug is getting at, is there any world in which Megan the St- or Dennis could actually believe he could pull Megan the Stallion? <laughs> Absolutely. Surprisingly, this is what seals the case. And the judge sides with Pug and Dennis and sentences Runa to 60 days for impersonating a judge. Yeah, that's right. There's only one Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Megan the Stallion says from the back of the court. Another cameo. If you were Dennis and, uh, like, uh, first of all, ew, sorry. Uh, if you were Dennis and you were like a super gross person, but you were like trying to settle for $175,000, would you be comfortable with your side of the case just saying all these disgusting things about I think you? If the character Dennis is going to hear all those disgusting things and go, that's not true, but it's going to win me my case, so I don't care. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. He's so delusional that he's like, no, she's wrong. That's fair. But I'm still going to yeah. win. I mean, I like that that's the angle. And I like, um, I like that they're showing too that I don't know much about Pug, but I like that they're showing too that you know he's also in the superhuman law division for a reason. Right, he's like, not dumb. Right, he because he kind of had. I'm not saying that he's dumb, but the in the second episode, the like very small interaction that we had with him was when he came in and he had like what I remember is some very strange like Southern accent when he's like, "Here's a map to the bathroom." And that's all we got from him. <laughs> what southern accent? What are I, you talking about? I don't about? know what accent it was. Some there was some. I heard an accent. I don't know. But he was like, "Here's the map to the bathroom," and that's it. And it kind of felt like he was going to be like the, uh, the funny dumb guy. Yeah. Uh, like, like that uh, stereotype in a sitcom. But no, he's proving that like no, he's also here for a good reason, and like he can win cases too. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I said, don't know much about him in the comics, but I did read that Jen like either dated slash like and or married him at some point. Oh, interesting. Um, so I don't know if he will end up being a love interest for her or not. Um, I kind of hope just for the like it doesn't matter to me either way, but I would rather there not be. I I don't need a love interest in every show. Yeah. I would kind of like this one better, I think, if there was if there was just all this more legal fun comedy stuff. I don't mind a love interest as yeah. long as it is still funny. Yeah. Like I think not that Pug has to be funny, even though he is. I mean like yeah. the relationship itself needs to be used for comedy. Like it needs to be a funny, like random funny thing. That I think would be fine. But if they yeah. just like have like a serious, weird, serious relationship thing happening in the middle of the show, I think it'd be kinda weird. Yeah. It it would definitely feel out of place in the th- theme right yeah on the way out of court dennis complains that he wishes there was a way to stop aruna from using her magic so she doesn't harm anyone else even though she hates it this does give jen an idea as to what to do with emil she proposes that he wear an inhibitor like the one bruce banner created to stop him from turning into abomination to the parole board this sounds good He's thankful for his release, and Jen is excited to go back to being just Jen again. Emil points out that no one's going to forget about her that easy, and if she hates the story being told about her, why not be a part of it? Unfortunately, that means that Jen has to do a television interview, doesn't it? Arriving home (laughs) that night, Jen is jumped by a bunch of low-life dudes, the Wrecking Crew, Ah. each brandishing their own weapon, and the first thing she does is scream. 
And then she remembers she can turn into She-Hulk. <laughs> Even though they all brandish their Even enhanced though... weapons, they're no match for Jen, who takes them out all one by one. And as they flee, she takes a long, hard look at herself in a car window. So, so first of all, for those of you that may not know, the Wrecking Crew is like an actual... Uh, like bad guy group. Uh, they're like, a quartet. Usually. They are a G list. Yeah, they are not as far go pretty far low on the the list of like notable like things people like. They are pretty far down. Yeah, and they uh, they're you as far as I know, they're usually beaten pretty easily as right. well. Um, but. They consist of, and they were pretty accurate with the uh, the weapons that these four guys had. So the leader who is credited is Wrecker. Wrecker's the leader of the Wrecking Crew. He's the one with the crowbar, which makes sense. He did like most of the talking. Um, and then Thunderball was the other one that was named, who is the one with like the the flail uh, at you know the ball on the end of the chain. Um, the other two are are I don't I'm not going to give you guys their. Uh, non-alias names because i don't know them um but the other two are pile driver pile driver is the one so in the comics he just has big hands oh <laughs> um but in this end credit scene it looks like he stole some like as guardian gloves or something from the construction site um and then bulldozer is the one with the like with the hat. helmet <laughs> yeah so they are an actual crew uh, like a bad guy crew. Now, what I'm curious is, they mention after they tried to like stab through her skin with that needle, um, that the boss isn't gonna like it very much. And I don't know who that boss Ten. could possibly be. Another surprise kingpin. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Uh, my guess is it's uh, Titania. Oh, Titania. Titania. There you go. Yeah, maybe. It. I mean, that's fair. Because we know that she is probably going to be in more episodes. Yeah. Um, would I be surprised if it was Kingpin though? I mean, <laughs> that could be how Daredevil gets involved. God, it that would make sense, and that'd be God. I don't want it to be Kingpin. Yeah. Isn't it weird how we went from like when we did the Daredevil season, we're like, God, we can't get enough of Vince D'Onofrio. Like, oh my gosh, we want more Kingpin, and then he shows up in Hawkeye, and we're like. And now we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not true. Like we don't. I don't hate Kingpin, but for this show, I don't want it to be Kingpin. I agree. I agree. But I don't know who the Wrecking Crew answers to, if anybody in the comics usually. <laughs> wrecking Crew answers to no one. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, we're gonna wreck it. We're gonna wreck it. <laughs> uh, and then we get the end credit scene. Jen walks into her office to her new favorite client, Megan the Stallion. After signing some paperwork, <laughs> the two get down to actual bit business, twerking. I will kill for you, Megan the Stallion. <laughs> Jen yells mid-dance, but this is too much for Megan the Stallion. Okay, dial it back. <laughs> the way that she delivered that line, I laughed through the whole credit scene. And as they're singing the body, yada, yada, like as that plays in the background, I'm still laughing because I'm thinking about, I will kill for you, Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> I uh, thought that was hilarious. Once again, if you watch the <laughs> scene and it didn't bring you joy, go look at yourself in the mirror. Like, come on. Like, yeah. it's fu- it, it was fun. Also, 
I know all of you weird incels were talking about, you know, you wanted the weird vampire lady from Resident Evil step on you, <laughs> and now you have She-Hulk twerking in your face, and suddenly it's too much? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I just... I. I still don't get it. It's only been 20 minutes since we talked about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe longer. I don't know. And I still don't get it. I just, I don't, I don't have anything positive to say anymore. Yeah. I've said as much neutral to positive as I can about this topic, and I'm just going to get insulting if I keep going. Well, how about instead you tell us what your rating is for this episode of She-Hulk? Yeah, I liked this episode a lot. I think this was the best one so far. Maybe that's because it had a lot more humor. Uh, maybe that's because we've already been like introduced to, you know, we got a couple of origin-y style episodes in. Um, and I just laughed a lot. I laughed a lot this time. So I gave it eight and a half toilet kombuchas out of 10, which actually sounds like a bad thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but what did you what did you rate it? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I thought this was the best episode so far. It was very funny. I thought it was very interesting. And it's the first episode where we're not just like setting stuff up. And I think that worked in the episode's favor. Um, I also thought it was cool that he told this like pug story from beginning to end in only a few scenes. And they were able to do it effectively, and it didn't need to be this like long, drawn-out thing. They're like, we started with him getting the client. By the end, he finishes it. That's like what a sitcom should be. Oh yeah, for sure. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, she literally says connecting the A and B story. Right. Nice, but I didn't think about how it was. There actually wasn't that much pug screen time. It still felt like it was majority. It felt like it was enough. A she Hulk show. You needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it once again uh, eight point five. Twerking She-Hulks out of 10. <laughs> Twerking Shulkies. <laughs> before, Jade Giantesses. Before we go. I can't believe you're saying that already. Have we been recording for 10 minutes? It feels like we've been recording for like five. I have no idea. Yeah. what is This is going to be the shortest episode of all time. For real. We can finally for, for say real. it. <laughs> Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Uh, recommendations. Peach, what are you going to recommend for the people? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Maybe it will be more than 10 minutes because I... I don't know. Uh, can I hot potato it back to you? Do sure. you have one? Yeah, I do. I, I don't have I'm one. I'm going to recommend The Rings of Power <laughs> okay. on Amazon Prime. <laughs> if you are a Tolkien Lord of the Rings type fan, you owe it yourself to at least give it a chance. I would go in with an open mind. Uh, if nothing else, it is absolutely stunning to look at. And the... Uh, the score is also really good. So if those two things you like, give it a shot. I will say it's definitely a slow start. You know, it is a large epic fantasy series. And if you know large epic fantasy series, they have a slow start. A lot of characters to introduce, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of, lot of stuff going on. Even Game of Thrones. The first season, people talk about how Game of Thrones is so crazy. First majority of the season, first season of Game of Thrones is pretty boring. I mean, not crazy boring, but there's a lot of setup. It is a slow yeah. burn. There's a lot of putting pieces into place. By comparison, it's boring at least. Yeah, to for the sure. other seasons, for sure. Yeah, uh, and that you know that's fine. I say give it a chance. Watch those first two episodes. If you're not in, at the very least in love with the dwarf couple, then there's no saving you. But <laughs> dwarves are my favorite. <clears throat> dwarves are my favorite. So I. I immediately thought the dwarf couple was the best. Okay. All right. Hot potato back. Shit. 
Okay. This actually, uh, this isn't like a um, shit. I can't think of anything recommendation. It was just I was thinking of the typical nerdy things we talk about. Um, I got a tattoo recently, and I really love it. It's an arm sleeve tattoo, but it's only like a third of the way done. Uh, if you want to see it and you're in the the Discord, let me know and I'll post a picture of it. Um, I put one on my Instagram as well. But, um, and obviously you have to be in the Orlando area. But I think you should still look this person up on Instagram because she has a page and all her artwork is fantastic. Um, so I got a tattoo recently from Belena Tattoos, I think is her handle. It's like at B-E-L-E-N-A Tattoos. Um, and she's awesome. Uh, she works at a place called Arlia. Uh, it's in Orlando and it was just probably the, I don't want to make it sound like I haven't enjoyed all my tattoo experiences. This is my fifth one, but, um, like this was my most enjoyable experience so far. First of all, she's cool as hell. I think if you're going to get tattooed by somebody and you're going to be there for a long time, it's really cool to have someone in the room with you that you can have a conversation with or you can vibe with, you know, because if you don't like somebody who is stabbing you (laughs) and you have to spend seven, eight hours with them, it's going to be kind of miserable, right? So first of all, she is cool as hell. Um, Second, this place is is really neat. You should look up Arlia as well, um, the shop that she works at, because it is like a very nerdy themed place. Uh, You walk in, and behind the curtain after the front desk, you get to see like all of the booths that they do the tattooing in, and they're all themed to different nerdy uh, fandoms. So they have a Pokemon room that is a sushi shop with a bunch of Magikarp on the wall. It's kind of ironic and weird. They've got uh, Uncle Iroh's tea shop from Avatar booth. They've got a Naruto room, which is where my tattoo took place in. There was a Demon Slayer room. Uh, etc. There's more rooms. And then if you keep going past that, you can push on this like hidden wall in the back of the shop. And there's a lounge behind it where they like serve drinks and you can chill. And there's a board game bookshelf. You can just be there and play board games. Um, and, you know, not the shop is really cool, but back to the tattoo, like I just had a really good time. There's TVs and all of those booths too. So you don't just have to like you can watch something with your tattoo artist. And we watched the entire first season of what we do in the shadows nice. while I got tattooed. So it was just a really good time. It flew by. Uh, I'm really excited to go back there uh, for the, you know, the rest of the things on the tattoo in the next month, but highly recommend it. And also bonus recommendation, watch what we do in the shadows. If you haven't watched what we do in the shadows, you are also missing out. That show is so funny. Uh, it's like a TV show based on the movie. I think the movie came first. It was Taika Waititi and Jerome, last name I don't remember, from Flight of the Concords, who's also the crab in Moana. Um, they had like a mockumentary style movie about just being vampires, just what it's like being vampire in modern society. And it was really wacky and stupid and fun. And then it turned into a show where they do, they make cameo appearances, but they're not the main characters of the show. Um, and it's just, it's just ridiculous and fun. There's an, there's a particular thing where I was getting tattooed and I almost laughed my arm out of place. 
Um, there, there's this like I don't think I could spoil this show because it's like there is a plot, but it's one of those very loose plots. Sure. Like it's a sitcom plot, right? Like who cares at the overall? So the main characters are being tried for a crime by the other vampire lords who are consistent of a bunch of real people that they say are like they, they go by their real names and they're like these these people are vampires in real life they just hide it really well um rachel evan wood or whatever is one of them um wesley snipes is one of them like he played blade but he actually is a vampire and a daywalker um who's the ancient one the original ancient one i don't know her name um Whoever I don't I forgot her name too, but she's like the leader of them all. No, she's not. Never mind, because uh, Jerome and Taika Waititi are. Anyway, the main characters are getting tried. They decide that they're guilty, so they put them in this well, and they're going to eventually die from the sun because the well has like a grate over top of it, and they're just waiting for night to turn back into day. They get saved, obviously, by a couple of the main characters, but because it's mockumentary style, they put some of the film crew in the well with them, and when the other main characters rescued the ones that were trapped in the well, they left the film crew down there. (laughs) (laughs) And on the way out, after they've rescued them, the guy that rescued is like, we're going to have to go back and get that film crew eventually, and the way that episode ends is just like a cold close on the camera crew in the well. <laughs> it's just like staring like, help me. <laughs> and it almost broke me. Anyway. Anyway. Belena tattoos. Arlia. <laughs> <laughs> what we do in the shadows. All those things. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. If you want to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Assembly Required. Join our patron-exclusive Discord. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of chatting happening in there right now. Um, oh, yeah. So get in there. There's like constant <laughs> discussion about all kinds of things. We're talking Game of Thrones. We're talking a little Lord of the Rings. We're talking Marvel, obviously. We talk about all kinds of stuff. We had so. a big law discussion after our last episode. Uh, we all We all got in on it. It was fun. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it's our, our discussions in there are growing. If you like our bonus episodes, we've put two of them out for free so far. Our next one, I'm going to spoil the topic, is going to be about Halloween Horror Nights, and that one will yes. be a patron exclusive. So come over, uh, become a patron, and listen to that episode. I love you, Halloween Horror Nights. If you want to email the show, you can do so. Somewherequiredcast.gmail.com. And before I forget, shout-outs to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's going to be at AssemblyCast. And I think that's going to do it for myself and for Peaches here. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Bobbly, bobbly. Excelsior. (laughs) (laughs) What? That was the best Robbie impression I've ever heard. (laughs) Elijah. (laughs) 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 (laughs)